0: Nobody on the playoffs to Murphy. Left hand batter struck three call to the knees and right down the middle of the plate, but down Murphy sometimes go
1: Hello and welcome to episode thirty of the Audubon Podcast. My name is Justin Vibber, and as always, I'm joined by Chad Young and Niv Shaw. But on tonight's episode, we have a special guest. Everyone, please welcome Eno Saris from the Athletic, joining us once again for starting pitcher preview ranks. Thanks, Eno, for for coming back on the the podcast. We really appreciate it. And uh, there's no better person to talk about starting pitching with, right? So. We are probably, we've got a little note sheet here. We're going to go through our sort of our standard list of segments. We touch on the top tier and then we start talking about breakouts, values and busts and prospects, and then some general strategy notes. So, you know, I'm going to let you start. I know you just had your pitcher rankings released on the athletic yesterday, I think it was. So why don't you start with mentioning your top tier, who you, who you see as the top, maybe four or five names at the, at, at the position.
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, there's probably no uh, real surprises in the, in the top three. The big surprise probably is that I put Brandon Woodruff 4 ahead of Walker Bueller 5. Both of those are up and down the top 10 for other people. But according to some of the metrics I have, like I have a, a quality of stuff metric that I developed with Ethan Moore, who's now uh, gone to work for the Twins, and a command plus metric that I get from Stats Perform. Woodruff is basically 10% above average in both, and that's uh, really, really rare. I think there's two right. other players that are like that. You know, Kyle Hendricks is one, and um, Jose Oquiti, Hinjin Ryu. Very few players like him. And so I like all of his pitches. I th- I think he's ready to go full innings. His velo is good. And for what it's worth, the bat projection br- projections number six overall, so I, I wasn't too insane there in terms of some of my other picks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: I mean, I will say that the, I do the surplus calculator dollar values are based on depth charge projections, which are a mix of steamer and zips. And I think he's 15th or 16th on, on the dollar values on the surplus calc. But I mean, I, I I'm with you. I think he's definitely in that, that top tier. I don't know that I would say as high as four, but yeah, I think he's, I think he's still being slept on a little bit as far as being an ace And any pushback from you, Chad or Niv, on on how you would rank that top group? I mean, again, I feel like we've said this for every position, but I feel like there's a clear number one. Right. I mean, if you want to argue with Degrom at the top, is there anybody else that you would?
2: (laughs) I've seen I've seen some (laughs) people arguing about his injury risk, if you want to throw that out there. And, and, and okay. this year, I think this year, I, one thing this is, and we're already jumping into strategy, but one thing that I, I that I, and Otto specifically, maybe injury risk isn't as big a deal. I don't want to jump ahead too far. But if you are worried about injury risk, you know, last year, three times the pitcher injuries of a, of a regular season, this year, probably going to continue that trend because there's going to be some sort of leftover Injury Residual problems. Residual from Yeah, up. exactly. Residual from from just having that stop and start and everything. So, and then DeGrom has had TJ, throws wicked Had, and, uh, you know, I, I guess he has more injury risk than a Shane Bieber. Possibly, yeah, more injury risk than Garrett Cole, but.
0: I don't know how to feel about injury risk when we're talking about starting pitching because it feels like everyone's kind of an injury risk in a sense. You know, you're throwing a baseball really hard and you're doing something your arm's not supposed to do. And then, like for Shane Bieber, you gave an example without. Like, well, how do you think about that in terms of like? Well, as soon as you have your first injury, then you're an injury risk, right? And like, <laughs> you're still throwing the, you're still doing that works. motion, right? And like, yeah. it seems to me that like, I mean, whatever, this is points or points or whatever, but it's every like, point is a point. Every <laughs> point is a point, right? But but at the same time, like to me, it's almost like I I don't. I don't want to bake injury risk into it when I think about who to acquire or who to build around because because everyone's going to have to tingle with that when it comes, right? And, like, I guess there's some names on the extreme, like Otani, as we will talk about or have talked about. Like, Otani is, like, a glaring red flag. But I'm not – I mean, I'm not sure I want to, like, ding DeGrom too badly Yeah. I mean, I try- does that make sense, or is that no, like... Well, I
2: tried to think about it in, in the extremes. You know that the the average pitcher DL, like the average chance to hit the DL for a pitcher, is like forty percent. Like forty percent of pitchers hit the DL. I mean,
0: that, that that's probably <laughs> so it, like that's high and that's crazy. But also that that reinforces that maybe everyone, yeah, you're just yeah, you I think the
2: big way.
3: the big question with with for me with pitcher injuries is not whether or not they're going to get injured. It's whether they're going to miss three to four starts or whether they're going to miss 15 to 20 starts. Right. That's the big thing. like, I, I, how many guys actually go out there and throw the like 33, 34 starts. They're out there every fifth day, all season long. That's that's never what I'm looking for. It's never what I'm expecting for my starting pitching. I just, it's just, hopefully you find the guys who get you to 28 to 30 starts instead of getting you 17 to 22 starts or something.
2: On the extremes. I tried to think about it a little bit. I think Carlos Carrasco, is on the extreme Lance McCullers, Charlie Morton, and number one extreme is like denilson Lamette. These are guys that had injuries last year, ended the season with injuries might still be injured (laughs) I mean, it's like i don't know that i want to reach for the guy who's still injured you know every sort of i'm healthy update this spring probably helps for for those players but at the same point point they're they're in the extreme the difference also in our model between the 60th percentile and the 70th percentile in injury risk i don't know if that's meaningful yet it's the first year i've put that on there as a as a flag but i wanted to have it because i wanted to see the red flags 'Cause sometimes I blow right past the red flags and I'm like, no Lemets, he's the best. You know, why is he going so low? Oh, I know why he's going low. He you know, he grabbed an elbow at the end of the season. How much do those updates like, oh I'm feeling good, he you know, the
3: manager saying, Yeah, he's throwing nice and free, like stuff like that. How much does that matter to you versus actually seeing them in even a, in a training game in a game i think
2: yeah i want yeah. see him in the game because i think i, I want to see a velo update i want to see a velo update remember paxton was like you know oh i'm fine i'm good i'm gonna get in the game he got in the game and it was like three ticks down you're like whoa you are not yeah, that's good. a big ba- that's a huge red flag. Right? <laughs> i mean that's yeah <laughs> do
0: you think team like who's gonna give the velo update would the team even want to do that no, we don't have anybody we don't have scouts do we have scouts and stands yet like
2: Oh, that's a
1: good point. I wasn't even thinking we, about some of usually,
2: that. Usually, you know, some of, like, a couple of the parks have data, like Salt Lake or something. I think mean, there's, like, there's there's uh, Salt, no, Salt Lake. Yeah, Salt Lake. Salt Lake, that doesn't make sense.
0: Like, uh, like, so you're saying, like, like rehab assignment data.
2: Well, also, like, spring, there are, like, scouts are usually oh, yeah, there. Sure. Yeah, if sure. the scouts are allowed into the stands, then we'll get some of those updates. And I actually found those meaningful, you know, and I wish that every spring training had the radar gun. But...
1: That's a good so, point. normally we would we would talk about strategy on the back end, but I feel like it's really relevant as we talk about the top tier here. I, I I've heard it bandied around that, and I've I've kind of backing this idea myself that when you're building a fantasy roster, whether it's Audenu or any other format, this season in particular, there's so many pitchers that didn't pitch their full set of innings last year, and what are the innings limits going to look like, especially on the back end of rotations? Is that affecting your strategy at the top? You know, as far as how willing you are to have an ace that you think is going to be the safer bet. I know no one's a good bet to, to pitch 200 innings, but does that increase their value at all to you? And when we're talking about this top tier of DeGrom and Cole and Bieber, I mean, do you th- do you think that that has an effect on this season because of the short season last year?
2: I mean, I absolutely do. I think if you look at what the best teams are doing, they're going and acquiring seventh and eighth starters, you know, and they're they're all prepared to, to they're already talking about six-man rotations, and they're gonna start out with a six-man rotation in San Diego. Supposedly, the Seattle's already locked in. I think Kansas City is well equipped to do one. Even Baltimore is talking about it. They barely have, you know, three starters. <laughs> so like, if you um, barely have three, you might as well just use six because it's gonna be a lot, of, it What's the <laughs> a lot of bullpen days in Baltimore. But uh, I think it. I think it. Uh, you know, it matters a little bit more maybe in other formats. In other formats where. You have a a much more limited amount of roster slots that you can, you can devote to pitching. You don't have the deep bench. You just, and those, and that's why, you know, I think in my ranks, like you, Darvish was pushed down a little bit. Scherzer and Kershaw were pushed down a little bit to the back end of the 15. Darvish is nine. I had those guys drop down a little bit just because they, they showed my model as being slightly, you know, close to extreme injury risks. And in these other models, you need you need your first pick. You need you need the most innings for them. And and I'm not even saying 200 because I think there'll be like two guys that get 200. I, I'm saying you need 180. Mm-hmm. But and I don't know. It's a lot easier, I think, to mix and match your way to the quantity you need.
1: Yeah, and it, and especially it's daily lineups for most leagues, not weekly, so you don't have as much of a, a push to maximize as many you know innings as you know you, you have a games innings cap but it's pretty manageable I'd say overall for AutoNude in, in order to hit that as long as you're diligent about where you're pacing and what your roster looks like. All right, why don't we why don't we shift over to some breakout picks? Again, I'm going to let Eno go first and we can sort of pick up the pieces of anybody that he doesn't mention that we have we have noted on here any particular for us when we're defining a breakout cuz we last year we just did sleepers and and busts, but I felt like we should split out sleepers into more breakout the younger guys that could truly reach another level and, and return a profit versus value, which are maybe more dependable veterans that Mm. um, are just being discounted maybe because of age or because they're not, you know, they're not the, the sexy pitchers out there that, right. So, so any, any breakout picks that you want to share with us? And then I think we've got some other names we we would pick up if you don't need them already.
2: The two top, the two top 40 guys that are, you know, being attached uh, to my name because of my ranking are probably Julio Urias and Jose Urquidy, who are both guys that just stand out when it comes to They're all green across. I had a sort of green, red, yellow, red flag situation. They're green all the way across. Great stuff. Great command. Urias, I think the, the green is on the injury list is actually indicative of a problem that we need to fix, which is that he had minor league injuries that didn't show up in any major league database. And so when we have days missed and surgeries and stuff like that, it didn't show up because he he had his uh, shoulder surgery so early. And it's a little bit like Walker Bueller had the same thing, TJ in the minors. So and Tristan McKenzie was missing time in the minors. We need to – I think my idea is to put in uh, minor league innings pitched per season as some sort of proxy for injury to give a sense of, like, how these young guys are coming up, but still – I love these two guys, Urias and Erkadi. I guess Urias also has a little bit of the whiff of like, that's a crowded ass rotation, and they could give him a, a few blows in the middle of the in the middle of the bullpen or just resting him a day. I mean, they're going to have Gonsolin and or May at the major league level, and so they're going to easily be able to skip days for guys. And I guess Urias, they've already shown some propensity to using him in the bullpen versus somebody like Bueller, who they pretty much pitch when he's when he's when he's healthy. So. I guess that's a little bit of an argument against my guy, but I, I like both of those guys. I think that they're both, you know, beginning of their career guys that I can't really uh, find a flaw with.
1: Yeah, I like both of those pitchers, and, and I think that Uriah's...
0: Go does, ahead, and does, does Woodruff also count as a breakout? Like, would we consider that? Because that's, that's a pretty high, like, four again, like, I not to revisit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay, so there's three.
2: I think Woodruff is like ace ascendant, you know. That's like he's already somebody that everyone likes, but you know, there is there is a point. Like Bieber was like people a person we liked and now he's an ace. Right. Right? Right. That's how I see Woodruff. Woodruff is a pitcher we all like, and I'm like, nah, man, he's gonna be an ace. He's gonna be like a at least a three to five year peak of like, you know, every year he's he's one of the top guys. Cy Young conversation kind of
0: guy.
2: Yeah.
1: Chad, I know you had a couple names here that you wanted to talk about for for breakout.
2: Yeah, a couple of young
3: athletics pitchers, Jesus Lazardo and Frankie Montes, I think are both being sort of slept on a little bit this year. Montes last year, I think, was pitching hurt. And obviously, like, as you're talking about, once you're hurt, you're at injury risk. And so, you know, it's hard to know what's going to happen with that if he's if he's healthy now. If he is healthy, I think he can bounce back to to where he's, the path he seemed to be on before last season, which is a really good path. So I'm a big fan of Montes. And, and Lazardo, I think, is just... He's a good example of development not being linear, right? He's an incredibly talented guy. The arm has everything you want. He's had some injury issues, but if he's healthy and continues to develop, I think he can make a leap. And I think if you're looking for a guy who you can get lower down, who might then jump up a tier, jump up
2: two tiers, jump up three tiers, Lizardo fits that for me. Yeah, I love I love both those guys. Montas got like an extra inch of drop or so on the slider. As he got healthy over the season, his whiff rate went from, you know, the first month, it was like 5% on the slider to in the last two weeks, it was like 19%. He finished with two really great games. If you look at the game log, I think he was getting healthy. It was a back thing. I think, I I think, I, I think I agree with you. He's always had the slider, but it kind of disappeared for a little bit. And the splitter was supposedly the thing that, you know, brought it all together, so... Yeah, the big question with him is, did he lose it because
3: he lost it or did he lose it because he was hurt? And if he lost it because he was hurt and the offseason gave him the time to get his back back in shape, he's ready to go and this isn't Mm going to be a recurring issue, he's going to be golden and that he'll be great. If he lost it because it's going to come and go for him and sometimes he's not going to be feeling it the way he should or if he's lost it because of the back and the back is going to be a recurring issue that he deals with his whole career there's some risk there because of that. I think for me, it's just the, the potential that he jumps back up to being, I don't know. I think you've got him somewhere in the fifties. I don't think that's like a too low a rank or anything like that. I just think it's by the end of the season,
2: he might belong in the thirties or the Mm twenties. If
3: everything goes the way it could go.
2: Yeah. I got an up question mark there uh, dedicated to you, but yeah, a fairly high injury risk number, some guys ahead of him that I like a lot. But, you know, shouldn't he maybe jump ahead of Andrew Haney and John means on my list, Aaron Savali, like guys who are kind of boring and don't have the same upside probably, as much as I like some of those guys, shouldn't he maybe be ahead of some of those guys? So I could see pushing him to about 44, 45, that would be about nine spots up. That would be around Sandy Alcantara, who I like as much in terms of just raw Vilo and, and, and upside and situation in terms of age and uh, also the home parks, you know, kind of fun. I think in auto new and in a situation where we're having problems with innings. I like having a, a guy who's going to pitch in a good home park for offense, because I feel like just having that guy, it's easy to play them. You're like, you don't have to think about how good is the offense he's playing or whatever you're like, oh, he's in Oakland. All right. I'm going to pitch him in the beginning of the season. I'll just pitch him when he's in Oakland. I'll be safe. And then if he looks like he's the healthy version then I'd pitch him all the time. And that's the kind of thing that I'm trying to do late in staffs too. So just a little bonus name is like a JT Brewbreaker. You know, he doesn't look that exciting, but he's going to pitch in Pittsburgh. He's going to pitch against some bad offenses. The command stuff lumps numbers look good. He had a good he had a decent K9 last year. You know, it looks like he has good command like I you know, I'd love to have a guy like that that I can just at least get some innings from because I think innings are going to be a struggle in in most formats.
1: Yeah, and I think that's an underrated aspect of of managing your fantasy team is sort of reducing the decision points that you have, especially in these daily lineup leagues where, you know, you you have the ability to platoon, but it's so much easier when you don't have to agonize over, you know, <laughs> it, is this the start that I start him and you can be a little more automatic with that.
2: Like in the outfield, I used to think, "Oh, I can I can platoon three spots." Oh my god. If you yeah. got if you're platooning three spots in the outfield, the man <laughs> lineup setting just sucks. It's <laughs> the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got seven outfielders. I gotta pick three today. All right,
0: Woo-hoo.
1: <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the stuff that we talk about when we do these positional reviews, especially from my perspective, I'll speak only for myself, is is very price sensitive. So one of the things that I did, and with a, a very large grain of salt here, I did run the average values page that the NIV has on the AutoNew site, filtered for first year leagues only. I think there's only two or three that have already drafted. I didn't even look to see what formats they are. So. This is format agnostic, but I wanted to see just sort of an ordinal rank of by salary, by price uh, that those pitchers have gone for. And then comparing that against like the surplus calculator rankings that I have to sort of identify some of these pitchers. So the, I'm going to be sort of, I, I'm going to be naming those rankings. So I just wanted to give that context before I start doing that. Um, The first breakout pick that I had was Tyler Now I know there's innings concerns. I know you know, the, the Rays don't like to put somebody out there for a third time through the order. But the good news is in new you can, especially in the points formats, you can really focus on the efficiency per inning. And that's really what you're looking at. It looks like in first-year leagues so far, he's been the 15th pitcher, most expensive pitcher for starting pitchers. And then on the surplus calculator right now for Fangrass points, I've got him seven. So I think there's a, there's a gap there where they're, I think... The market's a little too scared of Glasno and some of those issues that are already sort of pre- pre-baked pre into his price. And I think he could be a little, sort of like Brandon Woodruff, that if he if he actually is allowed to have mm-hmm. the reins to go a little bit deeper into games, I think that the the stuff is still incredible there. So I like him as a sort of a, a higher-end breakout pick. And then a lower-end break. has him fifth.
2: Okay, wow. Yeah. The Bad bat so, likes and- him even more. I, I'm just nervous about the fact that I think it's just two pitches. I'm worried... Two pitches and not great command, so I'm worried that um, I'm worried that the Pirates were right about some of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it could certainly be, and and maybe that's you know the,
3: the so, longer really where you want to be where you want no, to be. I, I, like... I'm sorry. I that came out all wrong. i just, like, <laughs> like, I'm just worried, like... I don't know. I think the Pirates are, the <laughs> yeah, pirates are saying this. They got to be right.
2: I think yeah, they think they it's they closer they... to a reliever than 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 some people might expect in my head.
1: Another name that I have on here, and really it's just sort of a continuance of the breakout he had last year, is Framber Valdez, where he's 41st most expensive starting pitcher and based on the data that I was looking at. Surplus calculator had a, has him as the 23rd best starting pitcher. Again, I think, I mean, I don't think he's an ace, a fantasy ace just yet, but I think he's was very sneakily good last year, and I don't think it's... It's really seeped into his price right now and i think he's going to continue to be floor,
2: it? It's not, it's right not, it just seems like a guy who's i would gonna agree go out there he may only have like a 380 ra when you look at like overall numbers but you know just that curveball and the sinker i just don't think he's going to be a guy who gets blown up
1: yeah so it's almost like a breakout and value pick at the same time where where he is younger and i think he can sustain the breakout he already had but but at a discount and then I, I'll skip over the other name I have right now because we can talk about them when we're talking about prospects. The next segment then would be value picks, guys, that you just the pitchers that you just think are not being given enough credit by the market, by by whether that's ADP, whether that's, I mean, obviously I pulled the, the first year rankings here, but I, I don't know if anybody had a chance to look at those. So any names that jump out to you, Eno, that you think are just, you know, maybe not a breakout necessarily, but just being coming at a discount this, this draft season?
2: Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Sunny Gray is a name that I ranked much higher than the projections. I don't know why. I just, I think he's just in a really comfortable spot and his stuff looks fine. And he's had some great seasons in Cincinnati. The park doesn't seem to be a problem. I don't know why projections have him as more of a top 40 pitcher. I have him as a 25. Let me see against ADP. I love Kyle Hendricks against ADP. I love yeah. Kyle Hendricks, and
1: that's and that's even with like Hendricks is not very high on the surplus calculator dollar values because yeah. his projections are always just sort of so um, expecting something to happen that just hasn't happened yet. As far as him, you know, limiting we, you know, all the weak contact that he generates basically isn't being properly accounted for by the projections. I don't think so.
3: I think that the, one of the challenges with Hendricks in Auto new is I think his just upside isn't as high as as others because he's just like. Which you really want in auto new, lots of strikeouts, not too many home runs. He does part of that. Well, he does do do po- point.
2: Yeah, in points. Yeah. Don't, right. yeah. <laughs> don't, do right. but but four by four. Also fight, also four, by four I, I play some five by mm-hmm. five fives in auto <laughs> Well, even,
1: even Saber though, too. Like it, we, we've talked about this before, but like Saber is, is 100% linked to FIP. So you can have a command and control or, or a guy that's keeping the ball in the park. The, the value is there. Fangrass points, it's you really Chad's right. You need strikeouts. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't provide that. That's where so I'm it's last now would uh, take off. And and that's a lot of the a lot of the guys that I target, that's sort of that, you know, last year was Denelson Lamette mm-hmm. for that reason. Yeah, the warts are there, acknowledged, but because I'm focusing primarily on fangrass points and it's you need strikeouts, strikeouts, strikeouts strikeouts, strikeouts, because you're not getting negative points for hits against. If they're not allowing contact, then there's no chance that there's gonna be a hit allowed if they're not even letting them get the, the, you know, the bat on the ball. So you know, that's that's where I'm coming from with that. I think Hendricks is a really strong play in Saber Leagues five by five and four by four, where you have home runs per nine as a category, but maybe a little less so in in Fangrass points.
2: Yeah, that that also uh goes to like my Dallas Keiko, Marcus Strowman love. I like, I think, yeah. Again, five by five plays and uh, and uh, maybe saber points, but not not necessarily fangrass points. You know what? Once the guy throws some innings with a ton of strikeouts, everyone loves him. <laughs> it's kind of hard. <laughs> to, like, be like, oh yeah, that guy with tons of strikeouts, he sucks. <laughs> I can't, I can't think of uh, you know a, a guy like that that's like old Boyd. and his, well. <laughs> Robbie Ray yeah. Robbie Ray, boy, so dead Ray, Ray. The Dead and Ball could could have some effect there. Yeah, it's um, true. And Boyd did start throwing that change up a lot more at the end of the last season. And and Robbie Ray now gets a full spring with the new pitching coach. So yeah, those are guys those are good interesting names. I I think more on the dollar level, but Yeah, they, they stay
3: interesting because of those strikeouts, right? They bring mm-hmm. that upside where they've got put it bluntly, they have other issues, but, but if they can get those other issues under control, or if major league baseball gets those other issues under control for them, right. With, right. with the right baseball, it, it could make a big difference. And, and they they have upside that, that maybe doesn't exist. I think this is sort of what I was getting at with, with Hendricks is like, if all of a sudden their, their walks and home runs come down closer to Hendrix, they're not going to catch up with Hendricks, but if right. they get closer to that, they bring something else to the table that he really doesn't. And that's so, it's a, it's a maybe a floor versus ceiling thing where mm. Hendricks' floor is so so high, even in FanGraphs points, his floor is very high. You know what you're going to get, and it's going to be really really good. But unless he develops a strikeout pitch that he so far hasn't, it's not. It, it, he's not going to go to the next level. Whereas in theory, Matt Boyd could stop giving up home runs and become a star.
2: Yeah. And especially, you know, one of the things that's most volatile in terms of projections and year to year and knowing the true talent is home run level, like home run home runs allowed is supposedly supposed to take like it's like two and a half seasons before it's quote unquote stabilized. It's like I think it's even worse than Babbitt. So, you know, when you I knew that, like going into last season, that there would be some standout performances where somebody had like a 0.3 homers per nine because you know they're just going to pitch a few games and and what's what's going to be more wonky in a short sample than that so yeah no it's a good point i think you know how how about tyler glass point 1.0 chris archer he's back in town you know he always had the strikeouts yeah and, and he also until last year he wasn't really as bad as i think people thought he
3: was like he right he was one of these guys that was like, he's an ace. They went and made trade this huge package to go get this ace. And then he just, he wasn't an ace. And he hasn't been an ace for a few years, but he hasn't been bad. I, I was almost surprised when I went back and I was doing my rankings, went back and looked at his numbers. And
2: Especially I was like, the strikeouts, the strikeouts have been there. Yeah, they've been there. And he's, he's been fine. He promised and in a so... zoom that he will no longer throw two seamers. <laughs> is
0: that all it takes a little takes? bit of shade
2: <laughs> a little bit of shade thrown at the
0: pirates there. yeah <laughs> well Promise you said they're right for. about some things i guess so not, <laughs> not this one not this one. i think it, him
3: being back in tampa is super interesting right and can't can he get back to some of the things he did better i don't think he's going to go become a cy young candidate but he certainly could I mean, it's improve. interesting
0: if if you're saying like literally the catcher will not call for the two-seamer anymore that could be all it takes, right? I mean, Glassnell's like, a
2: two pitch pitcher. I mean, we're talking about coaxing ex- four and a half innings out of him or something, right? Right.
0: If we accept the premise of you can take one pitch out of your arsenal and be effective for for fifteen outs. Yeah, that's if that's all the Tampa Bay Rays are expecting from a pitcher. That had, that I've seems like a some great trouble using
2: them, right? followers. You can use followers in certain formats on Autonew because. They don't do. They don't trigger the game started, right? Right. So you, but you have to the really, really great follow end, the schedule, right? Where you like really great in head to head, head to head um, with the game start limit. Yeah, and then I, you have to follow the schedule. Yes, I also have to know who they are ahead of season, right?
0: So I I think there's like so many one guys thing, in in Tampa. I, who are the followers? One thing I can say from like a platform perspective is we have a little bit of the follower data. I don't. This this might get into the strategy conversation, whole hog, but like I don't know like. Like, do we think... I mean, I know some teams say this stuff at the beginning of the season. Like, like Baltimore says whatever they want to say because they want to they get millennials to pay attention to them for a second or whatever. But, like, it's not really true that, like... Like, do we think they're going to run, like, a really interesting, unique way of considering what starting pitching and pitching is in baseball? Or are they the Tampa Baltimore Orioles? has
2: been more normal.
0: They're a little more traditional,
2: right? <laughs> Yarborough's like a starter now.
0: Right, right. And, like... You know, there's some niceness to saying instead of being like, OK, we're going to skip the first three batters the first time through. What if we just let you pitch and let you just like run out there and go be announced as a starter and be hyped about it and everything? I, I just wonder, like one of the we've had uh, follower data available to auto new for like a season and a half. And I just wonder, like, if that's going to be really noisy now. I, I'm happy to start like showing that on the site and stuff. And if you're listening to this and you play head to head, like, let me know on the forums or on Twitter if you're interested in that kind of
2: thing. So you flag like you
0: flag like a
2: three or four inning relief appearance as like a well. Follower, so or? yeah,
0: Rotowire basically says if you if the if the if the team is announcing the the battery like I'm gonna use the term battery as like mm-hmm. a starter follower. They will have they'll flag it as opener follower rather than starting pitcher, and
2: so and I. Sometimes they do say that because the, the the manager will be like, you know, our bulk guy today will be.
0: Right, and like it's to me, it's just a lot of it's it's a question if of you're how...
2: talking you're talking pregame, you're talking the same yeah. way I get that little
3: carrot for my starting right. pitchers. Mm-hmm. Like if I, I, I could change get a if different I added
0: symbol a, a checkbox and we have the red X and then added a third thing that was for a follower, I I just wonder if that or even if a, a, for. Icons, like if you one did for that for
2: me, I'd be more into followers. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it just showed up, I think that oh f. But like, all right, I'm throwing them like, today. But,
0: but that's like a thing. Like, like you know, you've been in clubhouses and you've worked beats. Like, do you do they? Like, I don't feel like that's a thing that teams consistently give the information. Don't,
2: they don't. Like, always, and that's even and in 2021. Right? And, and they don't want to. So it's not like something that's very predictable. I think they don't. I think the whole opener follower thing is something that you do because you have to. And I don't think that that's something that teams like in spring want to be like, Okay, we're going to do opener follower for that slot. They're like, well, you know, this guy's not healthy yet, so we'll do opener follower for the first two weeks or this guy's not healthy for two weeks. We're going to do opener follower for the two weeks while he's out. Right. I mean, that that, that sort of fit how the even the Rays did it. They did some opener follower and then at some point they're like, nah, yeah, bro, you go. You're fine. Yeah. You're just it's just it's such useful
3: information specifically for head to head leagues. Cause outside of head to head, the reality is that like, yes, you get a few extra relief innings, but the relief innings that play sort of like starter More innings. Like star innings and, yeah. Right. Yeah. So they're just you're not gonna get a save or hold with them or something. And so it's just yeah, not that guess... exciting. But in head to or in head to head where you have a game started cap and basically can throw Sneak ten million innings. innings up from your relievers every week if you somehow <laughs> find a way to do it. Like you can you can completely shift a matchup right, if you were the, able to find five followers.
0: I guess week. like what I think there might at.
3: only
2: be five followers in major leagues this year, is what i And and
0: also what I'm getting at is like predictable start like followers, like I'm not sure RotoWire is gonna give you that information. Like, would you project ahead. the guy to be a follower? Yeah, right. Like, who, like, maybe what? they do, and maybe they're wrong some of the time. Oh, and maybe, like, totally when they're wrong. wrong. We, there's no way like, we have any sort of knowledge about of who's a follower. Right. So, like, right a, now. Like, that's, that feels like the noisiest data that you could possibly project out more than a day. Yeah, right? right. Like, unless I have it written on a whiteboard in the dugout and it literally has the other guy's name underneath it for some reason. Right, they didn't even <laughs> have to tell you that. You know?
3: right. Right. I, I would think that's the issue. So I think the teams know, right? Because if, if you are expecting a guy to go four
0: innings right. tonight, even if they're innings any, two through six. But they have no incentive to tell anybody. To tell anybody. Right. right. That's well, and they, the thing. they have been and almost. I could, I
1: mean, could be wrong, but, but haven't we had a lot of ex- situations where they've announced somebody as a starter and then there was a presumption there'd be a follower and then they flip-flop those at the last minute. So it's not even like it's, and that order matters a lot. So if you had somebody, like if you were using that RotoWire data and flagging somebody as a follower on Autonu, and then I'm setting them in my lineup at the relief spot, and then the team changes their mind at the last moment, and he's actually starting off the game as the as the opener rather than the follower, now you're screwed. Yeah, which I mean, you are. Anyways, you'd still have to pay attention to that. But if anybody, like, so it's it's not even just. Yeah, I
0: mean, this is basically the conversation that I've been having in my head ever since I saw this in the video. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I, I mean, Justin, like, what you raised is 100% right, right? And, like, we talked about it with, like, when you talk about what you know, said about platooning and trying to, like, cobble together stuff, like, that data becomes really outsized in its importance if you're trying to find the right endings to fit in. And I don't want the platform to show you information that ends up being wrong 10 minutes before the game starts, right? Or just change 10 minutes before the game starts, right? It's not just the complaints. It's like, it's unreasonable. It's like, like I thought this guy was going to pitch the first pitch and instead he's pitching the 12th pitch and yet and like and that changes everything
3: (laughs) and that's uh, yeah which does rotowire publish that somewhere other than in your feed like is that is it that's not an
0: auto new that's not look look i'm not trying to trash rotowire by any means they're certainly not giving us data that they don't give anyone else right yeah this is they they publish this in the way that they they have guys who are Monitoring beat writer feeds, yeah, monitoring ESPN news. They, this and, is
2: how they tell it: is that the manager in the manager meeting with the beat writers says, and, and like it's super informal seeming. So I'm surprised that it actually spits right, out so that's, somewhere. Right, because So that's the, the manager that's being like, question. "Well, I think this guy's going to be our opener, and I'm pretty sure this guy will be our our follower, you know, or be our book guy today." And then that gets tweeted out. And then I guess that gets turned. And then Kevin Cash
0: calls you and then you have to change the whole thing. Right. Right. Like that's like, wait, like that stuff can change on a dime. Right. And like and like and and that's really helpful to hear, you know, that it it's kind of an informal conversation where some of this stuff might get flagged and then is disseminated through Major League Baseball, like MLB TV and MLB Network, rather, is what I meant. And they don't want to go against
2: it because, you know, the announcers are going to say that. I mean, the announcers right. are the you know announcers are in announcers also in that meeting. Yeah. The announcers are in that meeting, and the announcers hear that, and then they go on TV and do the prep, the pregame. Right in the pregame, they say, "Oh, and they the look day. like a pool." With, yeah. yeah, so I think there is some stuff in baseball. That was uh, what like... was
0: that voice you just did for an announcer?
2: <laughs> very specific. He knows announcer voice. <laughs> yeah, you have Fox an announcer Fox Sports voice. Network voice sounds good. But they have there's uh, these things in baseball that are like handshake agreements that are so ingrained in the game that like they almost function as real.
0: You You start making, you might, you make your coverage look silly and then they get mad at you. And like, that's just not a great place. Don't want your, you don't want your local TV mad at you, you know? No.
2: Yeah. Okay. So Um, my guess, since they're probably owned by the same people. Yeah. Right. (laughs) My guess (laughs) for a follower is Josh Fleming, Josh Fleming, Josh Fleming. That's not good enough to be a starter. Maybe can put up 80 innings. The Rays will need him. He's a lefty, and he can come in after Archer in the third. So do you have a thing where he gets to work <laughs> in, third.
3: In, <laughs> we, in the like a, a minute ago we were like
2: Archer's
1: second.
3: not so bad. Maybe he'll.
0: I, I didn't even know <laughs> the value the
1: doomsday scenario. I didn't even is now Archer's was, an opener. That sounds like a <laughs> pop-up duty.
0: Yeah. Yeah, after it's seven nothing in the second, You're right. two, Here comes two, Fleming. yeah. <laughs> no, but if do you it, think if they do you they think had... that'd be a thing where Fleming would consistently be coming in in like the like three through six? Or do you think Fleming be and Coutinho are just goals? the
2: guys that I see as like behind guys, but too good to just be one inning guys? Yes, that's yeah, that's why. And 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 also like Fleming options. Let me see. Actually, all their guys are optionable. Yeah, that's the one thing about the Rays is they could just option all these guys. So they could just play. Th- I think that's what they ended up doing instead of opener followers much is just being like everybody has options, and we're gonna put put that guy down and put them on the DL and put that guy up and then put that guy on the DL. I mean, all, yeah. the, all their all guys are old. If you if they told you Rich Hill's hamstring hurt, that you you wouldn't even check.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I do think Fleming and Patina are are interesting names either e- either as followers or as bulk relievers just because I I think the Rays are going to want to find ways to get those guys innings. Mm -hmm. They will probably spend some time in the minors, but they they will be on the major league roster. There may not be room for them to start, but I don't think the Rays are going to want to convert either of those guys to a one-inning guy now. They're not going to be ready to make that commitment to them being full-time bullpen guys. And so even if they're not sort of formal followers who are going to come in with, you know, one out in the second and pitch the next five innings, they may be the kind of guys who come out, come into, you know, the fourth inning and pitch the fourth and fifth, the fourth, fifth, and sixth, and are doing that kind of thing on a regular basis, which is, again, especially in, in auto new leagues, there's a lot of value in that. And that actually does break out away from it's It's more valuable in the head-to-head, but those kind of appearances, Patino you know, going two, three innings can be really valuable to you out of your pen because it's probably going to be better than you get from two or three innings out of a starter at the end of a start.
1: Now I, I have to interject here because I don't believe we've actually mentioned it yet on, on any of the f- normal podcast episodes, but we did a, a 10th anniversary birthday, special live show for the 10th anniversary of auto New where Niv announced the auto New prestige league. And that would be another format. If anybody who's made an entry into that, where those followers would be very valuable because of the, you, you still have five relief slots per day. And if you have a lot of followers on your roster it's just based on total points, right? So if they're, if they're pitching three innings at at five innings, five points an inning, that's more valuable than a closer who gets 12 points in one inning. So that's another format for anybody that's made an entry in that.
0: It skips the entire concern about, is this guy going to open or or is this going to actually going to start or is he going to be a bulk follower? It just skips it because the system will put him in. If he's one of your, best starters that day he'll come in to start if he is one of your best relievers that day he'll he'll be in the relief spot so that's that's a really good point I don't know that's that's going to be one of the trade-offs you know we talk about OPL I think we're going to talk a lot about OPL strategy as we get into the season I think a lot of that stuff is like just huge trade-offs because like we just said like it's really difficult to predict the use case uh, the usage rather of these guys if you're manually setting the lineup but best ball does it for you. That's great. But you want to use a roster spot and money stashing a guy that you're just hoping the system takes care of for you. And uh, as a person who rosters Shohei Otani, my answer is yes, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> decide maybe not for me when
2: he's going to be good. <laughs> Please decide when he's going to be good. And I'll know when to throw him away. Right. Yeah. I'll know when to, when, <laughs> when to he's totally play. broken, I'll get rid of him. <laughs> right.
0: But, 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 you know, I don't know, like that, that's a trade-off I've chosen to make because I was really excited about the OPL format. I, I wonder, or I'm interested to see because teams that have eyes on being really competitive in both OPL and AutoNew are going to have to start thinking about how many roster spots you just leave for just your best ball guys, right? And I think as we talk about uh, pitching is 100%, like Robbie Ray is somebody we've talked about in terms of that as well, like Matt Boyd fits in that model stashing them being like i'm not going to worry about pitching them in my regular league but then if they have one of their amazing outings i get those points right because because all those negative outings you don't have to worry about just don't have to worry about i mean there's zeros and you don't get points on a day where someone else might right if if it's if it's
1: only him and one other pitcher going that day and he gives you a negative then you're getting a zero instead of positive points but still you're not you don't have to absorb that that negative every you know when you make the wrong choice about when to start them or not. So,
0: right. I mean, um, whatever. This is going to turn into an OPL podcast. <laughs> well, I've, I
2: just I just realized that I I chose the wrong te- one of my teams to to enter into it then, because <laughs> I entered my I thought my five by five experts league team was a little bit better, but your mentality of building a five by five team is not going to be. Super it may well be a little suited. tough
0: for baseball. Like, points. and my other
2: one, the Fangraphs Experts League, is more of a head-to-head points league.
1: And I think we talked about that when, when on that live show, that we did think that there was a closer alignment for, for teams that were in head-to-head leagues already, based on their roster construction, they would already have there those matchups. Um, and you're almost and, thinking
2: baseballish,
1: right? And deeper pitching, right? Especially if you have like an eight or like a nine game starts per per week, uh, or ten, I think in some leagues. So it's sort of, you're already, your roster construction is more closely aligned to probably what is the optimal OPL construction. So, all right, let's, let's, we, we went off the rails, but it was a good off the rails. It was informative. We were talking about value. I think, you know, had given a couple names, Chad, if you want to talk about some value picks you had at starting pitcher.
3: Yeah, I think injured guys, which seems sort of weird, but because usually we're, we just talked about avoiding guys who have injury risk, but Cindergaard, Sale, and Severino are all potentially aces, guys who could be very near the top of the rankings in terms of points per inning pitched by the end of the season. Or even in a in a five by five or a four by four, you're still looking at you know rates and and numbers that on a on a per appearance basis could be really really good from those guys. And yet their last ten pickups have been thirteen dollars and sixty cents for Thor, twelve eighty for Sale, nine twenty for Severino. I actually think at those prices, Severino is the one of the three I I want, but you can grab one or more of those guys. You can stash them on your 60-day IL because they're going to get put on the 60 pretty quickly. You can let them come back and maybe give them a start or two to get get things back in shape. But then you not only are going to get some number of potentially really great innings this year, you're going to get a value on those guys for next year too. Because right? if those guys finish this season strong, they are all potentially top 20 pitchers going into 2022. And so in any keeper format, but particularly in Auto New where those values are so important, if you can grab a $10 Severino, he is either going to be $12 for you next year and an ace, or he's going to eat up all of your arbitration dollars and protect everyone else in your roster. And either one of those is just a great outcome.
1: Yeah. I had a four by four, the only draft I've had so far. And I scooped Severino for exactly that $10. And I was thrilled with that. And, and right, right now he's not even taking up a roster spot. He's already on the 60 IL. So he's not taking up a roster spot right now. Obviously the, the cap money is still gone. I still had to, you know, um, attach $10 to him, but I'm ha- more than happy to do that for all the reasons that Chad just stated, because at worst case scenario, I get a discount on, on him for next year. Best case scenario, he's worth more than ten dollars now and I get all that upside next yeah, year.
3: The the other half of this with with Auto new and the just deep rosters, and we talked about a little bit earlier, is like if you get 60, 70 innings out of one of those guys, you can work around that, right? It is it is you know, you don't want that from your ace, right? You know, you made that good point earlier that like the guy you spend 40 bucks on, you need to get your hundred and eighty innings out of. You don't want to spend forty bucks on a guy and get fifty innings. But a guy you spend $10 on, if you get 50, 60 good innings out of them, they can earn that $10 and you can build a pitching staff around them Mm -hmm. that will make up for
2: those lost innings. And and think Uh, about it. You could also, sorry, what were you saying? Make up for those lost innings. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off.
3: No, no, that's okay. The last thing I was just saying was just that, especially this year where we were already talking mm -hmm. about the fact that you're not going to have as many two inning, hundred inning guys. You're going to have a lot of guys going like 180, 170. Severino, Sale, and and Syndergaard, it it doesn't matter if this was a normal year or not a normal year. They're going to throw the innings they're going to throw because they're going to come back so late that if there's innings management, it's because of the injury, not because of the weirdness of the year, which means the discount in production you get from them is going to be less this year than it would be any other year for an injured pitcher because you're going to give up fewer innings. Right? A, A fully healthy Chris Sale, because of everything that went on last year, might have only thrown 170, 180 innings this year anyways. So you're going to lose 100 innings from him instead of 140 innings from him. I'm would I, be, i I'm all over those guys where where they're available. Unfortunately, a lot of leagues are not available, but where they are, I'm really interested.
2: Yeah, and I was thinking sort of, if you think about it probabilis- probabilistically with uh, regards to other $10 type players. You know, sort of the probability. Like, if you if you express the probability they were good in innings, it might be around the same. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you could pe- you could spend ten dollars on I don't know. I'm just gonna throw some names at Mitch Keller, Dane Dunning, Nate Pearson. You know, you could throw a similar amount of money on them. And the probabilistic outcome might be like 60 innings, right? If you're just talking about like their range of outcomes, you know, how much you might want to actually use out of them. So, so maybe just use the ones that, you know, it's going to be 60 innings, but you know, they're going to be good. (laughs) I mean, just plan for it, right? Know that in July or August, whatever
3: it is, you're going to have a new guy pop in. You're going to get 60 innings out of him and you're going to be ready for him.
2: You'll be good to go. And I think that, you know, if you wanted to pair that with my rankings and think about a strategy that could pair these injured aces with somebody that you could use at the beginning. You could use some of these high command guys, like the brewbreaker I talked about, Alec Mills. You know, they're higher floor guys. You know, maybe Jake Odorizzi, depending on where he signs, Eduardo Rodriguez, I don't know. These are these are higher command guys that have higher floors. If you had them at the beginning of the season, it's colder. If they're in a good park, like brewbreaker and Mills, you know, Wrigley in the beginning of the season is a great place to, to play somebody. You know they have predictable ways to use them, and you're just sort of coaxing some good innings out of them. And at some point, you get the the kind of the trade deadline acquisition of like, oh, good, I get to take Alec Mills out of my regular rotation <laughs> and 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 replace him with Thor, you know? So, yeah, I think that that could be a good sort of hand handcuff pairing action that you could do. Uh, those, uh, those command guys typically, like we talked about with Hendrix, often cost a lot less. So you could buy some of those guys for $2, pair them with your $10, Thor and come out at the end with like 140 innings of pretty awesome numbers so you know the other thing I wanted to say was it's it points to back to that whole idea of like having seven outfielders and trying to trying to platoon three outfield spots one thing that I've come to over time with Auto New is at the beginning I thought I could do a lot of platoons and I could have a deep, it's a deep bench. You say you can have a deep offensive bench and a deep pitching bench. As with other formats though, I've kind of pushed more and more assets to the pitching side on bench. I want on the offensive side to have not as many major league players on my bench and to to the the bench from hitting is like prospects and then like sort of five to seven you know, positional backups and, and, and platooners. Right. And that leaves me a ton of pitching that I can now stream, you know, you know, use injured list, you know, so I've, as I have with other formats have been pushing more and more of my bench towards pitching just to, just to make sure I get those innings really.
1: My value pick. The first one that I have is sort of similar to what Chad was just talking about is, is Carlos Carrasco. I see that he's 22nd on Eno's rankings. He's 11th on the surplus calculator and he's going as the 23rd highest paid starting pitcher in first year league so far. So I think there's a little bit of a discount there with, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure I understand why, like he, he obviously missed some time and 2019 looks rough when you only look at the ERA of 529, but he had a 350 XFIP. I think he was basically the same pitcher. He just was getting bad, bad ball luck, home runs for fly ball in the BABIP. So I think he's still like a second tier ace, and he's not really going for that, at least in this limited sample of first year leagues. So
3: I was um, super surprised when when he got traded, there was I felt like there was all this talk about, oh, he's moving to the NL and he's gonna be a better park for him. This is gonna be such a great change. He's gonna shoot up draft boards. And I remember writing him off of my list at that point, just thinking he's his price is gonna be too high. And then draft season came around, and everyone was like, Meh, maybe not. And his price has stayed low, and I don't really <laughs> think I fully understand why. And I've been—I I think I'm gonna end up with a lot of Carlos Carrasco instead of none, just because there's been—it seems like there's been a shift on him, and I'm not sure I totally get where that shift has come from.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and, and the other name that I have is—it's interesting to me, and I, I really want to hear feedback from everybody on this pick. But is Kevin Gossman? He. Is And I know that, that this is probably a little too high. He's 20th on the surplus calculator for Fangraph's points, uh, starting pitchers. But he's going 55th in first-year leagues right now. It's a huge delta. Like, the Autonew community so far seems to be treating him like he's a, a fifth starter on an Autonew team, where I think he's he's a 2 or a 3 at least. And I know that he had a very strong 2020, and, and all the caveats that applied to that short season, yes, they exist. But I feel like going into last year, I didn't pull it because I don't have the actual rankings from last year's surplus calculator, but I feel like he was in the mid 40s last year. So he was in the mid 40s. He had a strong year and now he's going 55th. Doesn't really make any sense to me. Yeah, I get it. Don't buy into what happened last year, hundred percent, but this is not buying in at all. And, And I don't, I think there's a lot of profit potential with Gossman for people that are just overlooking him.
2: Yeah, I had him 40, the bat had him 34th, and ADP had him 49th, but one thing, and that's NFBC ADP, one thing I would say is that in some circles, he's got some helium as a uh, sleeper pick, so this may be one of those things where we're just going to goose that
0: (laughs) (laughs) and help it right
2: along and see what happens. And
1: and it's very early in draft season for Audenew. I mean, like I've said, there's only a a few leagues, I think, that have drafted so a lot of this can change but
2: if homers matter you know that's the one thing he's got a bugaboo when it comes to homers if you're if you're in an fip based point system his homers matter and i think it has to do with maybe the his his primary secondary pitch being a f- split finger i think that it just goes and comes and goes if you think about it i th- I, I can't imagine anybody can really command a split finger
1: so if it's on he's he's going to be good and if it's not then he might have a rough outing
2: yeah and you even in san francisco you've seen like you know, fairly high home run rates. So, my guy, my guy is actually a little bit like him, just without the helium and without the great year. <laughs> I wanted to throw Andrew Haney out there as just a guy who has had great strikeout rates. He's had the homer rates. He's old. He's not exciting anymore. Fairly high injury risk, but might be a good auto new player because he at least brings that strikeout upside. And when he's in, he's in, it all depends on price. Of course, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet him up too high, but a single digit pitcher, Andrew Haney. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. And he's definitely been another one of
1: those looking at these projections over the past few years, steamer has been pretty high on him Mm -hmm. for a while. Like it's always out projected him compared to what the market was, was going after him at. So I think he's another one that just for whatever reason, most people are overlooking him. So. Any other value picks we want to do before we start? Well, I
0: I wanted to maybe throw a name out there that transitions between the two, which is Strasburg, which, you know, that's a very much like what, like an optical illusion of what you see, what do you see when you see Steven Strasburg? And, you know, I think it's related to Chad's names. He's really related tightly to Chad's names in terms of guys who are injured and finish the season injured and like maybe there's some aversion to them. When I scan Syndergaard and Severino, and sale, all three of those guys have are rostered f- over 50% of leagues, and Strasbourg is under 50%. So that to me tells me that those guys got recycled, and there's probably a little bit of deflation on their price because they were recycled at the end of last year. And people are just like, I'm going to stash Chris Sale for next year because he's definitely going to pitch in a full season. Or, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'm going to take that risk on Severino because there's always that. Strasbourg, you know, I know in League One, like, you just couldn't get any, like, nobody wants to take that risk. Like, there's a lot of, like, like he's he's available, I'm recycling him, I'm recycling and no, nobody else wants to stash him. I wonder if that's like a nature of the the nature of his injury. I don't wonder if that's related to like the nature of his injury being like I couldn't feel my fingers or whatever. Like that's scary sounding even though like the other one is reconstructing an elbow (laughs) like like they're both scary but we're we're more like like the tj is common now so yeah so i wonder like i just want to throw that out there from like do you think there's because i think there's a thing because you know now he's he's literally like i can feel my fingers and that's supposed to be the good news Mm -hmm. and he's still steven strasburg right or maybe because like it feels like being able to grip the ball is is a big skill set for a guy who has that pitch arsenal but so I wonder if, like, I just wonder, like, this is like, we've been doing this a couple episodes, and to me, in my brain, like, he's a perfect bridge between value and bust, because I just wonder where you guys see his price being, because when Chad and I are talking about the team we co-manage in 649, like, we've had conversations about Strasbourg and it just turns out we don't want to touch him, like, when we're talking about trading for him and stuff, and, like, I get the impression that there's a lot of auto new players that have that viewpoint of Steven Strasburg. And I wonder, you know, especially with you here, like, do you think, w- would you consider the risk profile different for Strasburg versus a Syndergaard? Or do you think like, because Strasburg is probably a little, was probably a little bit of a better pitcher, like going into it, like probably a little bit higher up in the rankings pre-injury. So like, d- does the f- fact that he couldn't feel his fingers, like, make a bigger dent to you than the names that chad mentioned or the 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 yeah i think it was really weird i really really struggled with ranking him i did not know
2: where to rank him i got arguments up and down on him and I think the thing is, I mean, you the weirdness is what we're talking about when you when you kind of study injury, a lot of times, like Derek Rhodes has a really awesome injury tool. And you can put a, a name in there and you can say, see, oh, this is what's happened in the past. And like if you just mentally do that, you're like, oh, TJ, put it in the brain. Oh, this is what's happened in the past, like 90 percent recovery rate. Just give him 13 months. They're mostly back, maybe a little bit of command. Yes, there definitely is a little bit of fastball command loss in the first year back, but usually by year two, ready to go. You know, like I actually love TJ guys in the year two after, not as much in year one after. That's actually, I didn't think about that. That's a little bit of the risk in, in in Chad's group of pictures is that they don't come back with that fastball command and they're not amazing at first. But with him, there's just no, like, the. I think the one comp is David Price. I think David Price had the same thing.
0: That sounds familiar. But when your N
2: is one, you're just like, okay, so (laughs) yeah, David Price worked out okay. But
0: (laughs) on top of that, just from like an economic, like just a pure auto auto new economic standpoint, we're talking guys like Strasburg is ten to twenty dollars more than all the guys Chad said in terms of median price right now in 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 the forty six thirty. Yeah, and then his last ten is twenty six. But I wonder if that number is going to go way down because that last 10 was probably the recycling from last year and Mm -hmm. only a couple drafts this year. And then are we going to see like, what are we going to see from like the the last 10 in two weeks?
1: In those first year leagues that I polled, it is a $26 average and that's 14th highest. So
0: I I guess like, you know, what what I mentioned before, and I'll just let us wrap here and we can move on to bust. I've been writing down our predictions uh, for each position. For me, I I really want to know where we all stand on, like, the over-under of where Strasburg will be priced and what the value will be that he generates at the end of this 2021 season. Because I think he's just, like, a fascinating—I think, you you know, you touched on it, like, impossible to rank. Like, do you think he's a $26 pitcher? Yes, no. Like, more or less than that. And then I'm really interested to see like where he ends up at the end of the season because I think he's just a Rorschach test, right? Like everyone sees what they want to see with him, and I think there's like a ton of risk aversion to him, but that he's also still being priced at 27 bucks, like 26 bucks, and like that means there are people out there that that are like, well, if he says he's healthy, he's healthy, right? I mean that that has to be like what is driving that price up. That's or or the name brand. I, I... well, yeah, but Severino's only 10, like. That... I mean maybe yeah, someone's so doesn't it. have the, the name brand and I mean Thor has a better nickname, but I don't know if he has the name brand of Strasbourg either. Like I, I that's a perception thing to me that like it's like how is Thor like eight dollars less than Strasbourg right now in their injury situations.
1: Well and and looking at this this list of first year prices, Strasburg's Strasbourg's ahead of Glasnow and Woodruff, which
0: you that, know based I had on a, what it, we were talking I think about.
1: The
3: difference... The difference with Strasburg versus other injured guys is he's, in theory, he's already back, right? We don't know what he's going to do. We don't know how he's going to respond to the surgery. Like there's there's a bunch of open questions, but he's going to take the ball on opening day or somewhere right around there and go out there and throw however many innings he's able to survive. <laughs> And so I think that's the biggest difference with him versus a Severino or a Syndergaard right now is the upside this year on Strasburg is let's call it 150 Cy Young caliber innings, right? That I mean,
0: well, let me let me compare him to Chris Sale then because isn't is, Chris Sale is back, right? Like Sale's back
3: mid season sometime, although the Red Sox did say they're going to be aggressive.
0: Okay, i'm not sure to believe
3: I, them but they claim that
0: <laughs> maybe i had my timetable on chris sale wrong because he took he took last season off but that was right i mean like he's he's been out for a while
3: i thought he had a surgery after last season was supposed to start
0: but I oh remember. okay 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 so maybe my timeline on that is wrong so okay so that's a good point strasburg is is going to be pitching uh game one or game two for the nationals Okay, so I'm gonna throw it out there. Like, I'll I'll depress it a little bit. But do you think over or under twenty three dollars for Strasburg? Like personally, in terms of his output in twenty twenty one, when it's all said and done, under.
1: Yeah, I'm taking under as well. Yeah,
2: I take the under as well, but but I'd buy him maybe at sort of twelve to fifteen. It's not too far from there. Yeah, but then there's there's always sorts in a different place in my head, you know.
0: 12 to 15, yeah. it's like, okay, these are... I mean, that's amazing to get Strasburg at 12, 15 bucks. I'm thrilled at that price. But right. in the in the 26 that he's going for right now, I, it's scary to me. I, I, I'm i really interested to see where his, his average ends up, and I'm really interested to see where his production ends up. Like will take the a... over on 23 just to make it so we can have something to talk about at the end of the season, but... That's the number for me. Like, I think he's right at it.
2: I also think it's interesting that like $23 in an honor, like that's going to be my, that's my big like pitcher. Like when you have the roster organizer, that's like pitcher with capital P. That's my, that's my big acquisition, right? Like I bought Steven Strasberg and some, you know three to five dollar guys right you know? <laughs> like, yeah,
1: but that's a good point because for a lot of leagues he might be the one guy the, the pitcher up. that's going to go for the most in 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 the auction if he's because he's probably dropped in a lot of places because of i his price. So. for money
0: yeah <laughs> I I so right? him, i, I wonder if it's money, just a function know. of like you know a thing we've talked about a little bit is inflated keepers i wonder if it's just a function of he's the best pitcher available even though he has flags mm. he's pitching he's pitching in the first week of the season like chad said and and, and nobody and, else is out there. Yeah, <laughs> and
1: in my experience, pitching does tend to be, especially that that mid and and, and top tier pitching at, at auction tends to be extremely scarce. So I think sometimes there's just money it to spend, be and not a lot
2: between Strasburg and Price.
3: <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, I just think like if you look at League One, Niv for, our, for League One, which we're drafting this weekend, you've got Scherzer and Kershaw out there. Then you've got Strasburg. Then you've got Thor and Severino. Wow. And Paxton, Grinky, Urias, who I know you like, Corbin, guys. Haney, Wood, like it dropped Urius down for in
0: thirty. 30. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Urias will if, go for thirty. If in that
3: if league. Are, it'll be. I think it's an interesting uh, auction strategy situation because if Strasburg goes early. He might go cheap because people are like, ah, Kershaw. There's someone else bet, coming. So sure yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, you could easily have a situation where you get like a $45 Scherzer or a $35 Kershaw, and then Strasburg comes up, and your other choices are $15 guys. So what are you going to do?
0: 20, and somebody's going
3: to go to 30 on him.
0: Uh, take two $15 guys. Wolfie- <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right, we can move on from there, but I- I'm really interested in seeing how he ends up. Okay, so Strasbourg being our,
1: our segue into the to the bust category. I'll, again, I'll start with you know, you know any any bust picks that you have for this season, the, I, the
2: Yeah, I sorted for difference between myself and ADP, you know, some of these Strasbourg is actually fourth. <laughs> so, uh, there's my bust pick. No, Lamette is on there but injury risk. And then Dustin May is on there but that's innings and Frankly, I don't think that's applicable to Otto new. It's a little bit, I think it would be a great asset to have in Otto new where you're just sort of waiting for him to get the role that you want. I mean, he's, I think he's either a closer or a start, you know what I mean? Like he's either, he's going to be valuable and he's probably not, you know, doesn't have a too big a price tag yet for you, but an actual guy that people will be looking at in drafts and will, there's two guys that they might want to spend a lot of money on. And ADP says they will spend a fair amount of money on sean mania and elizir hernandez um sean Manaya, i'm a little bit more rock solid on you know i just see him as having league average stuff league average command at best being a league average pitcher at best and adp says top 100 the bat says top 30. i just i say sort of 120 to 130 kind of just a guy that's you know really that high. Um, on hernandez I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's some sort of Park Factor thing. Hernandez, Lisa Hernandez, the bat has him 70. ADP has him 96. I have him 115. The one thing about him that's so its so weird, I, I want everybody to go look at this pitch. He throws an 80-mile-an-hour cutter, and I have no idea what to do about that. It does not what? register as being a good pitch.
0: It does. Is it classified as a cutter? Why is it a cutter? Uh, or not?
2: No, they, they classify it, I think, as a slider just because it's 80 miles an hour and they don't know what else to right. do with it. <laughs> but in terms of movement, it, it moves like a cutter. So when you watch it, you're like, what was that slow ass pitch that didn't move? It doesn't move, you know, like because cutters don't do anything.
0: Oh, anything. <laughs> that's weird.
2: So he throws uh, like a 93 mile an hour fastball. He doesn't really have any other pitches. So he's like a two pitch guy where one of the pitches is weird as heck. And I just think he's 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 slated for use, petite. You know, like I think he'll have value, and he's like I, I find him fascinating. But like betting on him, once people start to see it more often, I think that. In your head, you just be like, okay, if it's slow, it's gonna be straight. Your head is telling you if it's slow, it's gonna it's gonna bend down, or you know, like it's gonna be right, bending. Right. So when you face them, you face them once, you're like, I don't get it, my brain is broken. <laughs> the second time you're like, Okay, if it's slow, just pretend it's a fastball, you know, like just pretend it's BP, you know. <laughs> so I think that they're gonna start. Super off super interesting. On it. But maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, that's my prediction, is like the third time a team sees them. And if you look at like BvP, which is not useful overall but if you look at the people who've faced him a lot they do really well and I know that there's statistical reasons that that is not an amazing argument but I, I sort of see that as happening
1: Chad do you want to jump in with with some bust picks that you've got here I'll let you go next. yeah
3: I mean my, my bust pick is and it's calling him a bust feels wrong because I think he's gonna be very good this year is Trevor Bauer I just think he's going for too much I think He's been a guy who has been up and down throughout his career. I think, you know, everyone, he he was legitimately incredible in Cincinnati last year. I also think he was not only in the central, which was relatively easy, but had about the easiest schedule of any central pitcher. If you look at the teams he faced, he was, put it this way, I think he was excellent in AAA last year. And I'm really excited to see him facing big
2: league hitters this year. Uh, (laughs) That's that's my takeaway. That's you know, my takeaway. He, know power. he faced bad uh, teams because he faced like the Indians and stuff, right? Yeah. Well, you got and a Cubs fan on this we're, podcast.
3: We, we very, go. I'm we're not well disagreeing. Central I'm fans, not. Dis- yeah. I'm not disagreeing, man. No, we we are well aware of how bad that division was last year. Those divisions <laughs> were last year. It was, and, and I just think he's, you know, the, the one possibility here that I'm that I'm willing to accept is that he just said screw it everyone else is using pine tar and now he is too yeah he... and it's gonna change everything <laughs> right and that may and it and it may be that he's just gonna be that good moving forward I just think we've I just think he's going to be sort of up and down throughout his career I think some years he's gonna be really good some years he's not I'm very happy to get him as something like the 14th 15th 16th pitcher off the board because I think there's more upside I have him ranked probably closer to 18 and I just think he's going way too high and he's going to be way too expensive. And I'm just
2: staying away. Here's yeah. When I, yeah, go ahead. You know, I'm sorry. Well, here's how I agree with you is that he has a, a 92 command plus number and that's the lowest that I've got in my top 20 and the other players that have low numbers like that, even in the top 30 are Tyler Glass and Corbin Burns. And I think that that describes their volatility. I mean, if you think about Corbin Burns, he had that disastrous, terrible season that was, you know, that if. That's still in your rear view. That's still like, as much as you like Corbin Burns, you're like, well, there was that time when he was absolutely terrible. And I think that even a you Darvish, who has a kind of slow low command number, has had these ups and downs in his career described by lack of command. So I think as much as I think Bauer's going to keep using that grip substance, and so therefore the stuff is top shelf, it's a little bit like Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns' stuff is top shelf, but there is some risk from the fact that he hasn't shown great command of it. Yeah, looking at looking at first year leagues, I saw in a couple of first year leagues he went for twenty six dollars in
3: one and thirty-three dollars in the other. And that to me, from a first year league perspective, is like that's the exact range. Where at the top of that range, I think he's overpaid and I'm not interested. And at the bottom of that range, I'm thinking I'm okay, like taking for twenty six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now in, in in you know, in a third year, fourth year, fifth year league and established leagues, those twenty six and thirty three are more like thirty and forty. And, and that, and same thing. It's like, at, you start up to 30 and I'm like, eh, I don't know. At 40, I'm, I'm out at 40, but yeah, if I, if I could get him in a first year league in the mid, maybe even creeping up to the high twenties.
2: Sure. I could see that. I just think that on average, that's supposing a over $30 guy. That's supposing you have another, another sort of twenties to thirties pitcher, right? Yeah,
3: I mean, I think if I'm building a staff, I I don't want to be reliant on him the way I would be reliant on, you know, certainly like a DeGrom
2: or a Bieber or a Cole, right? If I go out and I spend those guys. If you got Bauer for 25 or something in a first year league, then your second buy would be like a Berrios or a Gallon and try to get like another 20 guy as opposed to somebody else who built on a $40 DeGrom right off the bat or something. Sure. Yeah, I, I'm not a Barrios fan, but yeah, I'm Gallon's a great would Say great like a secondary a ace, you know. <laughs> maybe, that, that you...
3: maybe go, maybe go get Bauer and Corbin Burns. One <laughs> oh, of the two of them will be an ace, and the other one. Are I'll have co- one forty dollar pitcher
2: dollar. and one zero dollar pitcher. Right, you
3: get, get a forty dollar pitcher and a zero dollar <laughs> You'll be paying forty bucks for it total, so it's fine.
2: <laughs> We've got a strategy. Uh-oh. That's our strategy.
1: What I was gonna say was when I we were prepping for this episode, when I was prepping for the episode, I actually had Trevor Bauer penciled in as a as a value pick at first because I didn't think his first year price was gonna be as high as it was. When I pulled it, he's thirty two dollars on average so far in first year leagues, and that's the eighth highest pitcher off the board.
2: So and now he's your only ace. Now we're getting closer to like right, I if you're him and he's that, my ace. And and and, it's hard and to in that case that. I'm
1: with I'm with Chad that that's, that's too high. I'm, I'm frankly very surprised that, that that's where he's been going because I wouldn't have expected there to be more doubt about what he did. And cause I, maybe I'm influenced by the Slack chatter. I know there's a lot of Slack chatter about Trevor Bauer is not an ace. Um, yeah,
0: I think, I think that's just the thing you get paid $40 million a year and you put the the video game numbers up, you put up last year and like, I don't, I can understand why there's a perception, even with Auto New Group. Like I understand that perception. I think there's a secondary level of that Slack is full of self-deprecating AL and NL Central fans, and we all know what he's faced, right? And we like talked up a little bit more about what he faced, and and the fact that there were video game numbers from a few pitchers in the Central in the Central's last year, right? Like when we looked at Bieber and whatnot. But but I, I understand why there's that perception. I think that perception only got boosted by getting. That ridiculous, con- like, I'm not going to say ridiculous in a bad way, but just a huge, a huge amount of money from the Dodgers. So I, I, I feel like that. I don't think even Autonew is immune to that. Would, would he be
3: more expensive if he had a uh, different personality? Like, is he suppressing his price in fantasy leagues by just being a jerk?
2: Like if his social media personality is more you Darvish. In fact, what's funny to me is that just by pure command and stuff numbers for me, him and you Darvish profile very similarly.
3: I'm low on Darvish too,
2: so <laughs> I'm good with. That. But people love Darvish because he's he's yeah. really fun I,
3: on social media. <laughs> he's he's is, fun as a pitcher too, yeah. right? Like it's fun to watch him pitch in
2: a way that I, I don't get as excited. But aren't they about. kind of similar? Like tons of breaking balls, you know, pretty good velo, not great command. Maybe I'm just projecting because I hate seeing Bauer do well. Maybe, maybe that's all it is.
1: You're making the argument that if, you know his price is suppressed based on his social media personality, like what would it be if if he had a better personality <laughs> on social media then? Because it's still pretty high.
0: Yeah, you think he's edging into You'd have to get some historical garbage numbers.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, if you just look at what his
3: numbers were last year, he was insane, right? right. I mean, yeah. he was off
0: the charts. Yeah, but this is the thing we talked about many times, is like the short season and what what do people want to take from it? And I am as much as I'll say signing a 130 million dollar 3-year deal will inflate your price. I still think there's valid skepticism about 12 games in in a pandemic season
1: it, it, it's simple right if, if you've got trevor bauer on your roster then 2020 was for real and if you didn't then he's then it's not <laughs> that's so, right that's right i mean you won that's... You a league. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I, I did. In fact, I won a couple leagues, and he was on my <laughs> roster, and that was a big part of winning those leagues. I'm sure because of how good he Hence, was in that. He
2: was your people. value
1: pick, <laughs> right? He would have been initially until I said, "Wait a minute." That's right. That's right. The price, because then I saw that that Chad had him as a bus, and I'm like, "No, no, no, no! no this is no. going to be another one of those classic <laughs> Justin versus
2: Chad arguments." But Could I get you know, a gallon first year price?
1: Let me let me pull it real quick. Let's see. He is. Eighteenth highest at nineteen dollars and thirty cents oh. on average, so just a shade under twenty dollars as a top. I just messed pitcher. my
2: pants. I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> Do you need a? Do you need to go you put it? A <laughs> <set? Yeah. laughs> like For if, I start, if I could start, if I could start, if I could buy him and then get another like fifteen dollar pitcher, I would. I, you know I'd feel like oh my god, I would love to have that as a start. That would give me so much more money. I feel like to put, spend in other places. Yeah, that's a great price
3: on him. He's my value pick now. I switched. <laughs>
1: I want to mention a couple of my busts real quick because I know we're we're running short on some time here. I do have Zach, please, Zach as a bust, most of that, yes, is anchored by the projections. He's unranked on the surplus calculator, not even assigned a, a dollar of value, the but he's been going 36.
2: as thirty six. That's a crazy disparity between projections. So so that.
1: maybe that's just a difference between, you know, the projection systems, st- steamer zips versus the bat. Yeah. I, th- I um, think
2: that projections
3: this year with pitchers are so weird, and especially a guy like Pleaseac who completely changed his pitch mix. Yeah. Like if the bat is basically saying he's not the guy he was before, so everything before 2020 is irrelevant, and Steamer's essentially saying, I'm going to take a longer-term look and see what he's been doing over the course of multiple years, it'll explain that disparity pretty quickly because he w- he was a different pitcher last year than he'd ever been before. And not just from being better, he just pitched
2: differently. I really struggled with ranking him. Yeah, I could see, I could see arguments on both sides. I mean, he also dropped a little bit of ELO and does not have a most amazing fastball, but he has good command. The slider's good. The changeup looks like an out pitch, you know, things have changed a little. Yeah. And then my other bus picks are sort of a segue into the
1: prospects section, but I wanted to call out Tristan McKenzie, Casey Mize, Nate Pearson. They're all that's, that's 63rd highest salary in first year league, 62nd. No, so thanks. there's a lot
0: of, too much. of yeah, premium too much. built
1: in. For those and which, yeah, we, we, we talk about this sometimes. Yeah. You're, you're pricing in some of that future value, but I mean, you're already paying them. Like they're going to be very productive for your team. And I think it might just be a little bit too much of a rush on those three specifically, but
2: I barely ever bother just as a prelude to this. I barely ever bother with prospect arms. I'll have one maybe or two. And I have a, I have a soft rule that I like try to keep prospects under five and I'd rather have them around two. And for pitchers, that's a hard rule. Like, I will not own a prospect pitcher for more than, like, three bucks. Like, I don't, I just don't, there's, the bus rate is through the roof, you know, like, we, there's no such thing. And my numbers, I know so much more about a pitcher once they get to the major leagues. As soon as I get that track, man, as soon as I get those movement numbers, I know so much more about a pitcher. So uh, I just don't want to, I feel like I'm stabbing around in the dark when it comes to pitching prospects.
1: Yeah, I'm similar. I mean, I I tr- basically avoid the the top pitching prospects, and I if I am going to invest in pitching prospects in oni,ou I like to find those like Zach Gallon before he came up, mm-hmm. right? Where where they have a very strong performance track record, but maybe not as much of a scouting track yeah. record, and you can get them for a dollar or two right before they debut. And if it doesn't work out, you you throw them back, and if it does, then you've got a ten dollar pitcher that you spent a dollar on. And and for me, like a couple of names that I wrote down that might fit that profile is. Jordan Blazovich and Joe Ryan and I kind of thought Joe Ryan might get a cup of coffee last year and he didn't but I still think that those are he, those are two guys that are have been very successful in the minor leagues
2: led double A in strikeout rate last year I think or the year that they played
1: 2019 Yeah it was something like that and they and and I do I have a prospect tracker where I I track the performance in the minor leagues mm-hmm. in terms of Fangraphs points and I think both of those two pitchers were like top five in, in total points for 2019 minor league performance. So
2: he also threw um, his but... fastball 75% of the time. So I I don't know. I'm a little bit worried that he's like, he I've heard he's an invisible guy. So that's the sort of the scouting coming back. But the track record right. is, is amazing. I guess my guys that's a little bit like that is Edward Cabrera. You know, not really loved by scouts, but the minor league numbers were amazing. And then the other thing that I think that I've learned from the Indians is that slider command is super important and maybe one of the most important things so max meyer who is a slider guy for the marlins i don't know if he has a third pitch yet but i do think he can really command that slider and that's an interesting place to start so those guys i think should be like two dollar prospects you know like i don't and then the my favorite thing to do is have a prospect, come up, fail in his first try, but I like something about his pitch mix or his numbers. Man, getting that I second, get him year. In second year. that's what I the like. Second year, year is... <laughs> so yeah, Spencer Howard is a, you know, you can almost put him on the list as like a somewhat like that, where you're like, there's something I like about this guy and he's not going to go for much. And I'll just, he'll be my prospect pitcher. Thomas Hatch, you know, he'll be my prospect pitcher. He'll be in that slot, you know, <laughs> he'll cost me $2. The command and control is is a big thing I look at. And I, one of the things I,
3: I do when I'm looking at pitcher prospects is I go over to the board on Fangraphs and sort by the command mm. rating. And, and the, the name that pops for me right now is George Kirby with the, the Mariners. Mm, yes. Who, great command, throws strikes, hits his spot, has three good and a fourth usable pitch, hits 97 with the fastball. So there's a lot we don't know about him. Like you said, right. Until he gets to the major track mandate and stuff like that. I like him and Gilbert.
2: And I think the Mariners, if you look, they have a lot of personnel in common in common with the Indians. In terms of player development personnel, and I think they've basically ported over the command first approach where we then coach, we gas camp them, we co- we coach up the 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 fastball, we're trying to find the next Bieber, where the guy comes in throwing 88, 89, we coach him up to 94, and he loses some of his command. Because Bieber does not, ha- I think, have as excellent a command as he did when he first came up. But however, he had so much to begin with that he has more command than most people still. So I think that's the the idea. So Gilbert and, and Kirby, I, I'm, I, yeah, I love those two. And I don't think, I don't think they cost that much either. I don't have the numbers in front of me.
3: No, when I, when I picked up Kirby at the end of my, my last auction, instead of picking up CJ Crone right. Because he hadn't signed with, with Colorado yet. I got a lot of people being like, Oh, he wasn't really on my radar. So I think you can get Kirby nice and cheap and, I don't think he's that far away and he's got a profile I really like.
1: Okay. okay. Say who, who told you that he, he wasn't really on your, on their radar. Was that, was, that, that, that was, that was, that yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: was, I got it from multiple people. Some oh, idiot. people. So just, oh, I got it. I, it was, it was a number of people who were just like, Oh, interesting. And then like, yeah, but now I know I can throw you under the bus. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It was Justin, Justin said
0: it briefly the only thing i'd add to what i I understand why Eno and justin uh, why you guys said what you said about limiting the number of pitching prospects this sort of feeds into in my brain when the difference between doing a constantly trying to compete versus the 18-month rebuild that we talked about a couple episodes ago when you're doing the 18-month rebuild one of the things that you are affording yourself is the ability to take time and patience and and just wait for some of the guys to hit and I think what Eno said is totally right, which is when they come up and they and they stink, but they still have a uh, really good velo and maybe interesting swinging like whiff rate or whatever. Like there's a couple things you can see and you're like, yeah. Or, or you know, I have this guy. I don't have to cut him right now yeah. because it's okay. It's okay. It's that, still like, only two or three
2: dollars. I can I can it's still still only risk the extra two dollars next year.
0: Right. And so like if you have an ability to like. It, so that's, I think, where they, and this is like, you know, maybe this is our entire strategy thing about the prospect stuff, but like, if you're doing the 18th month rebuild that I refer to, we talked about at length a couple episodes ago, the pitching prospects are 100% where I'd invest more than I did invest in any other phase of, like, there's no other situation in which like my team composition changes drastically, unless I'm like, I am a year out from competing, and I just really want to have as many lottery tickets as possible. I think the, I, it's still the same mindset and I'm of saying like trying to compete, and I always finish second and
2: third. I don't, I haven't won yet, <laughs> so I don't know why anyone would listen to me. Well, you should, you should listen yet, to her. Our... But all I do, I mentioned this, is finish I mentioned this little... every year, and probably should do the
0: 18th on the rebuild. But... Yeah, I was talking about <laughs> this with the with uh, the pitchless guys when we were on their live uh, on the auto new panel the other day, like. Anyone who's won Auto New is still ahead of Eno on this. So. <laughs> <It's brilliant. laughs> hey, man, it's like the only thing I can hold over you. Um, I won last year, so now I have that. Uh, your first time? First time since uh, Auto New was a service with Fangraphs. Oh, wow. yep. congratulations. Yeah.
3: That was your it. first time since the first season yeah. of since the as a concept in like two thousand five, two thousand seven, two thousand six. <laughs> yeah, we
0: we scored
3: there. on Yahoo because we couldn't do the scoring, so we had we had to manage two separate rosters because oh. you had a forty man roster that Yahoo couldn't support, right? And scoring that the website so NIF built work. to handle our forty man <laughs> rosters couldn't support. It was awful. Never, it was like, not you know, great. it'd be
2: less work me make creating an entire platform
0: <laughs> yeah basically, that's, that's, exactly basically right. what I, that's basically what it came down to chad is so demanding that I, it was easier for me to build an entire platform than to <laughs> what so what um,
1: so would you have built that platform if not for winning for that first championship though no probably not i've probably been like you're yeah, like i with this this is, this is, <laughs> this is <laughs> a lot of work and I <laughs> fifth.
0: I, i'd much rather play fantasy football you guys <laughs> yeah. i don't want to do this no but seriously like i think like anyway like just to get back to my main point like i think this is where team composition can be different. You can take the more risk more risk with the pitching prospects. I don't think it changes it's it's not saying that you know And Justin's mindset is it's actually agreeing with that mindset, right? There like pitching prospects are super volatile. So in order to get to the point and as I did in 2020 where you have four surplus starting pitchers, it's you get there by stashing guys, being patient with them and also like Having the assets to trade, which is again Nate Pearson and whatnot. So, anyway, that that's the way I would sort of end that thought.
1: All right. Well, I, I know Eno has to go. He, he's very gracious with his time here. Uh, he's a very busy man, so uh, we'll let him. We'll let him get going to what he needs to do. Well, so for Thank you guys. very much. It's
2: really great to see yeah, all you guys. Thank you, Eno. See you again in person soon.
1: Yes. So, thanks. Eno. Thanks so much, yeah. man. I really appreciate thanks, it, Eno. Okay. With that, we are going to uh, wrap this episode up. Next week, we're going to probably shift back into hitter positional ranks, probably with either second base or shortstop. In the meantime, you can always follow the podcast on Twitter at AutobotPod. And as we always say, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time.